It's because I was singing this song that I just wrote called I Am The Monkey Boy. Uh-huh. It goes like this. I'm the monkey boy. I am a monkey boy. I like to climb the trees. And I haven't, that's as far as I got. So really you just had one line, didn't you? Uh, <laughs> it was heavily focused on the being <laughs> it was, of the monkey. It was a strong start. Yeah. And then you thought, you know what? It's going well. Let's do it again. I think it has a lot of potential. You can't then do a third repeat, I don't think. And that's where you stumbled. Because uh, you've got two lines in. You've got two lines in lyrically. Second yeah. line, some would call derivative of the first. Yeah. But it works, you know, musically. A bit of repetition, always handy. Third line, mm. though, it really felt like you didn't know where that was going. I didn't. <laughs> you, you nailed it. You see right through me, Nick. You always do. <laughs> <laughs> they call I'm me... Uh, all right, are we starting? <laughs> <laughs> We've been recording for the past 17 minutes. As um, to how much of that will be in the final episode, we will find out. You know what I did with my volume here is that I just like, I was doing that monkey boy thing and then I went blah and then Garage Band picked it up and was like, oh, that's how loud you're going to be? Okay. And then it adjusted the recording level, even though it's not on automatic level control. Anyway, fascinating stuff. I am a monkey boy. I am a monkey boy. Let me climb up and get a banana. I am a monkey boy. I am a monkey boy. Let me into your cabana. You want to let in it into a cabana? Yeah, you want you want to let the monkey into the cabana. Is a cabana like the sausage? Like the Fritz sausage thing. <laughs> no, like a house, you know, like a, a, a tropical oh, island like a Copacabana. Cabana. Yeah, like a Cabana. Oh, I was thinking of Cabana. Yeah, well, that is, yeah, no, that's how you say it. But for rhythmic and, and you know, lyrical reasons, I had to rhyme it mm. with banana, which is also yeah. not how you say banana. No, I get it. Hard worm to, hard worm, hard worm to rhyme, that one. <laughs> Very hard worm. <laughs> that's the toughest worm. I feel like I've worked out what the vibe of this episode is already going to be. I feel like we're a little bit loose today. Oh, dude, I'm loose as a monkey, dude. I'm <laughs> doesn't get looser than me. By the way, I got some monkey... Well, I shouldn't you say monkey You got a bit of a news. fixation. Yeah, I know. Uh, that's because I've just been reading... I read this weird news article before, and it is... It's a freaking doozy, dude. Okay, that's a little bit of foreshadowing. I like this. Yeah. So what else we got coming up? We got a bit of chat. Uh, we got some real chat. We got some silly chat. We uh-huh. got one crazy thing happens. Um, by oh. the way, <laughs> yeah. Wait, um, is this a real thing or is this you just like? No, no this is real. This I can is, see it in your no, eyes. We we both don't know what it is yet. We both don't oh know what it is. oh I see but what's happening. I'm just I'm the I'm narrating. Okay, the episode. I get you. But yeah, you yeah. were very authentic in the way you were describing that. I was like, oh, what's happened? I was yeah, already kind invested. Of manifesting our own um, reality Destiny. in that way. You know? Yeah. Um, I've got a shout out for James, James Johnston, coming up later in the show. So stay tuned, James. Oh. He'll be shouted out later. Jimmy. Jimmy. Jimmy J. But obviously this this isn't it. No. But later. So that's two shout outs, really. No, 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 yeah. no. No, he's getting one, one shout out. Imagine, imagine if you were like so, so keen on like doing things by the rules that you were like, oh fuck, I just that was the shadow, and that I can't was it. do it again. We, we can't take it back. One. Yeah. Oh <laughs> Christ! 
All right, what's been going on? Tell me, give me the goss, give me the juice. Uh, what's been going on? I've been watching audition tapes for people auditioning oh, for my yeah. TV show. That's, That's quite fun. Yeah, it's very fun. It's like watching people say lines that you wrote, and then making them into like verbal sentences. It's very interesting. It's very yeah. cool. It's like for some of these roles, we were looking at 20, 25 different people and each of them come through and give slightly different interpretations. And it's all just so exciting. And we've had so many amazing people audition as well. I, I'm just mm. enjoying this a lot. Is this something that if it weren't for Corona that you'd be doing in real life and having people come in for additions? I think there would be more of that for sure. Ooh, um, that would be cool. We are... We are, I mean, I don't know if I would have been part of that process. I might have still been, because I'm based in Christchurch and most of that would have happened in Auckland. It might still have been me watching tapes. But they are, like, as we speak, even Gracer, excuse me, even Gracer in Auckland. And um, they had a few callbacks for our favourites um, come back in and do um, new reads of that stuff. So, like, there is some in-person stuff still happening. Um, we're at level one, so that's totally allowed. Mm. Yeah, but that, that's, that's, a, that's really real. It's cool. a real dream of mine, just to be in a position where you're profe- judging someone on a professional level. You know, <laughs> like you're not on a professional level, but you're. You know, I'd love to just like interview someone and hire them. I'd love to have that power and like, you know, actually, I judge people all the time. Yeah, but I'd love to actually put it into real practice. Yeah, get paid for it. You know, the um yeah. the. The delight of it as well is, like I said, you're hearing things in, t- in totally different ways. Some people are interpreting it differently than you ever sort of thought, but it's really cool and interesting for the difference. Um, but there was one sort of character, <clears throat> but there was one sort of character and one um, audition tape that came through that I was watching the other day, in which they absolutely just crushed it, just nailed it, just got it exactly right. It was how I pictured it. It was better than how I pictured they were as. Like they were improving stuff that was just as funny, but totally in keeping with the character. Like they just got it. Mm. And that was so exciting. Like, I don't know how to describe exactly what that feels like, but like all of us who had watched it, uh, were just like, yep, she, she got it. She crushed it. That's, uh, that's the character. And that's like one of those ones where like, it, it sounds so odd when you, or like, um, I don't know, patronizing or, um, insincere even when you listen to like a director's commentary of like a movie and there's someone like, oh, at the moment that she walked in the room, we just knew it had to be, you know, Michelle Monaghan for Mission Impossible. And you're like, okay, I mean, it really like you just, this was the one. We just knew that Harry Potter had to be Daniel Radcliffe, like all this stuff. Mm. And then I was like, well, fuck, I kind of get it. <laughs> yeah. if, you, if you have a mental picture and this person comes in, and just like blows it out of the water and just mm. does everything you wanted and more, then I totally get it. It it checks out. <laughs> yeah, nice. It'd be nice for them to hear that as well. Um, yeah. Being like, oh, we were completely unanimous when we saw your audition tape. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. A, that's cool. We're now um, inching closer to July. We're probably less than a month away as of recording um, from us rolling tape now. So... Yeah, it's it's all happening. Cool. Well, uh, speaking of... Um, actually, there's literally no segue to this. Um, <laughs> like not even one. I just came back from uh, the post office, right? 
and uh, <laughs> and um, we're less than a so, month from speak uh, from filming. Well, speaking of that, I just came back from the post office. <laughs> uh, I'm sure there's a loose connection there. You could make it work. But uh, my friend Lee was sent, sent me a birthday present. You know, my birthday was a month ago, and he sent me a birthday present, and um, he didn't tell me what it was he's just like it's coming on this day and then we got a i got a he gave me a text saying it says it's been delivered and i was like it definitely hasn't been delivered i've been working from home just looking out the window the whole time i saw the postie come not there so it got lost and then i was like he's like i'm not going to chase it up with australia post and i was like okay cool must have been a great present (laughs) and then um and then he's we had a chat and he was like all right fuck it i'll i'll just uh, reorder you another one and so it came yesterday, and he sent me another message saying, it's come, um, but it's at the post office, so I have to go pick it up. So I went today to go pick up the post office, and I opened it up, and it was this, like, tube thing. And it looked really weird. It was, like, stapled shut. It looked like really... It looked like a like a small, like, thing that you'd keep a poster in. Yeah, yeah. And I opened it up, and this, after a lot of work... Yeah, kind of like that, except a lot smaller. I opened it up, and this spring just, like, popped out. And I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> and so, I sl- so I'm like, I took out the string, and I opened up, very slowly opened up the other end, and it was, it just had, like, glittery dicks. And it was like a joke thing, like a jack-in-the-box thing. It was <laughs> meant to pop up, and I opened this in my car. It was meant to pop up and, like, spray Explode all these glittery, glitter tiny dicks, dicks in you. my face. <laughs> and just because of how... You know, I don't you know. I opened it or stupid. It was I opened it up the wrong way. I opened it up how you're not supposed to open it up. I saved myself, uh, you the know, dick sprinkles, millions of tiny dicks in my car. But then I, uh, I kind of like put it back together, and I was coming home, and I must not have put it back together that well. Just as I got in the door, <laughs> does it again. So all in the front yard, I had to get out there with the Dyson, and like we're on the street, by the way, we're on like a main street. I was on a Dyson just soaking up these tiny dicks so yeah thanks to lee i I mean it sounds like the the um, point there was that you didn't actually put it back together wrong you put it back together right you actually reactivated the grenade i know yeah i know (laughs) you were like um you found um found this perfectly packaged grenade and you pulled Mm. the pin out and thought "Hmm, that's weird you just left it there and then, like, walked with it for a while and then let go of it and all of a sudden yeah. it exploded. Like, you, you actually armed the thing that was otherwise a dud. <laughs> and I don't know why I did that. It was just for, like, neatness purposes. It was just so I could, like, compact everything so I could put it, you know, in my hand as I got my stuff out of the car. Yeah. So, I don't know. Yeah. Double anyway, level thanks prank. thanks, Lee. That was, that was great. He'll never yeah. listen to this as well. He's Lee's the type of guy that will... He's literally said to me before, we've been talking about some trains or something, and uh, not trains, <laughs> and he'll be like... What's your favourite model, steam or electric? <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, steam. Steam? No, we don't have to do this. Steam, yeah. Steam. I'm a steam guy. I'm a steamer. <laughs> uh, I'm a steamer. <laughs> Cleveland has a great one, by the way. You should go to Cleveland, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Lee would just turn to me without any prompt and just be like, you know, I've never listened to your podcast and I probably never will. <laughs> he said that to me before. That's He's a really great guy. Half of yeah. our listeners have never listened to our podcast. Yes. <laughs> me included. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, welcome uh, to Deep Forward, everybody. Thank you for joining us on this lovely winter day. Oh, such a beautiful foggy evening. There's a low-hanging mist. As you walk through it, it leaves sort of an indentation of your shape. Uh, it's quite spectral, quite soothing. It feels like mystical in like an interesting way. And that's all thanks to you, the listener. Um, sitting through the internet with me this week, I decided to call up my friend Michael. Say hi, Michael. Yo. And my name's Nick. I'll be your host for this evening, and I'm grateful that you joined us in this exploration of the mind. Nice. I get better every week. I'll take it. Or worse. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what about news from you? Other than dicks, anything of, re- of note to report? Dicks aside, um... Not really, to be honest. I've just been um, cool. Been, anyway, so been this little, week we're going to be talking right. about the sort of challenges that we as a society face around, I guess, the adulation of former figures. Um, this is sort of inspired a little bit by the pulling over of statues in the wake of the Black Lives Matter protests and the way that current society is reckoning with its past incarnations, previous generations' work and who they chose to adulate and who they built statues of and whether or not it is right to remove them. Um, So I guess we should just start with Michael. What, What do you think the reason is that people are looking at statues at the moment? Well, I think they are... People want them taken down because they are um, con- for s- confronted with the past, basically, and confronted with the negative ac- aspects of the past. Um, and I think it's... Uh, I've, I've been thinking about this a bit, and I think that it's like... It's it's hard, it's It would hurt to walk past these reminders of... Um, people that have directly um negatively harmed your um your particular race yeah and so do you think then that that result that then action if you're walking past this symbol of oppression or symbol of injustice or literal reminder of you know deaths or enslavement or something because of this colonial figure say is Mm. the right action then tearing it down yeah Uh, so the debate on the other side is that i don't think anyone's really well maybe they are in in the states with the confederate statues a little bit but i think we can all agree that some of these figures that we have in the past held up as you know, great men um, are actually not all they're cracked up to be and have actually got to that, um, you know, past perceived greatness by some pretty uh, ungreat uh, methods. Um, but I think the debate on the, on the other side is that people think that if we take these statues down, that it's a slippery slope and that it will, will it's almost like us erasing history. Yeah. That certainly um, that certainly seems to be the argument, right? That this was our history, 
So trying to rip it down is absurd and worse, problematic. The idea being that you, A, can't change what happened, but B, that by pretending it didn't happen or, quote-unquote, trying to erase it, uh, are we doing our society a disservice? Um, I suppose the the counter-argument, one that my dad has put forward, for instance, is that um, they should put up a plaque next to it that explains the context, right? Rather yeah. than rip down the thing, put up a sign which says, this guy was bad. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's definitely an argument. I heard that uh, earlier on, on, on a Bill Maher interview, actually. Someone said that same thing. And I get that's that's something. Um, but I guess where I'm coming from, maybe I'm just jumping in a bit too hot here. Just let me know. But uh, what I think, I don't think... I don't think the tearing down of the statues... First of all, I don't necessarily agree that, uh, you know, a bunch of protesters or whatever should go in and just take down a statue that they deem to be um, offensive or um, inappropriate for the times. I don't agree with that. I think it should go through the proper channels. But I also don't think that the act of taking down statues necessarily erases history quote-unquote i don't think it actually serves to do that i mean you look at no one's i mean germany banned the swastika and whatever things in germany Statues probably you know, yeah. years years and years ago no one's thinking oh germany that's a slippery slope you know it's it, you don't forget about these things and also you know it's not like the statue is the reminder most people are probably walking past these fucking statues and have no idea what they are the Memory lives on, and I get, I get the, uh, you know, if we if we forget history, we repeat history. I get that, and then I think that's kind of true. But history lives on, not necessarily in statues. It lives on in art. It lives on in movies. It lives on in books. It lives on in stories. So it history. You're not erasing history, and I think the harm that it actually does to people who are affected by it, the reminder that it serves, is does more harm than good and also statues are, are another thing i mean we'll get into other kind of netflix whatever later but statues are a, are a different kettle of fish because it's like you're actively worship it's almost like a worshipy thing it's an idol like we're worshiping yeah. this guy it becomes an idol it's it's literally and, larger than life yeah and i think that's that's a path that you don't want to go down yeah um the it i agree with you for the most part the um the the other thing about history right is that a statue is is something that has been there for some amount of time right a lot these ones that are taking down um they've been around for you know 100 years and that's part of the argument as well like this is a part of this cityscape now this is a part of this um uh, uh footpath or you know park or something like that um, and so perhaps there is like a difference. I think some some of the defenders of the statue thing attempt to separate the idea of the statue's uh, image, as in the person represented by the statue. They try to separate that from the quote-unquote piece of art, which is the statue, the physical thing. And they they want to be able to say, Yes, this guy 200 years ago was bad, 
but the statue made 100 years ago is now its own historical representation, its own historical part of our society. And that independent of who it is of, the existence of that physical thing is now also part of our city and should be respected. Right. Do you give that yeah, any yeah. sort of credence? The idea that the, the, the thing itself has merit, even if the person doesn't? I give, I give it a little bit, to be honest. I mean, that it's, it's there, there, there is an argument there, but I, I think that if you're going to progress as a society, then these things, um, I think it's a, I think it's a sign. If you're doing it properly, I think it's a sign that the society is actually evolving, um, rather than, you know, just trying to forget the past. I mean, arguably Germany is trying to. <laughs> I mean, they they want to erase the past, and fair enough. That's that's actually not fair on Germany. Germany is probably one of the best examples of a, a country reckoning with its past. They're very aware of of the atrocities committed in you know the Hitler era. Um, and right. just because Sorry, they don't Germany. allow the swastika and, and you know statues of him and everything doesn't mean that they're um, uh, against it or you know. Well, I mean, in the sense whatsoever. that they like they've they've banned you can't even you can't even say that word, can you? You can't even say Nazi. Or, hmm, I'm not sure about that one. Uh, anyway, that well, that I mean, I understand that that's a that's an attempt to reconcile with it, but I think what maybe I, I didn't express it very well that that it does seem like they want to um, ban those things and kind of get yeah, everything. They, they want to remove you know, any potential like idolization of that era or of that political movement or of that person. I think you're right. That they, right. They've got a blanket ban on that stuff as a way of, yeah. you know, um, so trying to stand the, out what that. The, what, was the, um, what was the argument or debate thing that you had with your dad and your parents? Well, with my dad, it, they were actually slightly different between both of them. Um, my dad, um, we were talking about the idea of tearing down this statue. Um, there was the one thing which is like, it's not fair to um, look back with our current standards and ideals and apply them to previous society. Right, mm-hmm. um, dude. Your dad watched this Bill Maher episode. I swear <laughs> I'm sure that he did. It, this is this is word for word, um, and I think I think that is true. Right, you can't you can't expect the person back then to have had the beliefs that we have now necessarily, but I don't think that right. then makes them blameless. I think you can certainly hold them responsible for what they did, even while accepting that that was what society was like. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, it is true, but it also doesn't absolve them of those sins and it doesn't remove the hurt that the people that then look at those kind of objects would feel for the way that they were historically treated, even if today we right. accept that it was wrong. Um, yes. The Yeah. Sorry, did you want to say something? No, no, I was just kind of thinking about that and kind of agreeing. In the... Some um, way. the the other sort of aspect that my dad was um, talking about was this whole thing that you were going on about, like doing it the proper way, respecting the legal, quote unquote, civilized process. And I sort of went back and forth with this a little bit because the calls to 
calls to deal with things civilized is actually quite a privileged position. That is often something that the majority will say to people that are being oppressed, you know, like, oh, you know, just do it properly, you know, just just be civil about going about it. When in reality, people have often been working within the system for years, decades, trying to see institutional systemic change and not being able to get anywhere because when you are in the majority and you're not feeling the effects of, um, you know, an oppression, an oppression or, uh, you know, systemic issue, it's very easy to just push it off or shrug it off and devalue the voices of people complaining for, um, you know, campaigning for change. So that, well, the I get I- that. can I just interrupt there? Cause I yeah. get, I get that. And I get, I get the, um, that, if you if you want to go through, if you say, hey, you can take down these statues, but do it the right way. Uh, the right way is going to be, you know, a lot of admin and and going through the the government. It's going to be bureaucratic, and it's not necessarily governments aren't necessarily going to want to do that. But if you allow that, then you're allowing basically any groups. You're allowing what if a group of neo Nazis decide that they don't want a particular statue and they want to tear that down? Yeah, I. I... There is an argument there, right? Not, not, none of us wants to see all of the safety nets of society fall down. No one wants chaos and anarchy, right? But at the same time, when there are institutional problems and the people who have the say over that um, you know, discipline or government or decision are the ones with an invested interest with a vested interest in in maintaining the status quo then you can battle all the you know the right way for as long as you want and never see it change because it is structurally impossible to achieve that change playing by quote unquote the rules um so there you know I, this was what my dad's response to this to my this point of mine, which is that I, he had hoped that as a society, you know, in the past two thousand years of or more of, um, you know, growth and human civilization, he hopes that we can reach a point in which we have the tools and discourse and and st- systems in order to evolve and grow and deal with our issues civilly, not with violence. Um, and I think that's what he sort of ultimately comes down on um, against the idea of tearing this stuff down is because he hopes that as a society we are better than that. Mm. I think that is a nice aspirational goal, but I think that it is naive to suggest that we've hit that level when there are still so many problems in the world that are so deeply rooted um, that they wouldn't be solvable without marching in the streets, protests, and you know potentially civil dis- disobedience, property damage, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I guess yeah, you're kind of seeing this thing happen. It's not necessarily. I mean, you're seeing a revolution happen in some regards, at least Absolutely. in America. Yeah. And these kind of scenes that we see in America are the scenes that we used to seeing from you know, Brazil or, you know, in the Middle East somewhere. And it's tricky because, I mean, those those countries are, say what you want about Trump, but those, those countries are run by a clear dictatorship. 
some of those countries where you're seeing the um the protesting and it's it's not it's not as clear cut with america but it is a systemic change that that the people are looking to overthrow really and not necessarily the government but they're looking to overthrow a, a system of maybe even system of values we're kind of used to seeing this kind of um action from the people happen elsewhere um, in maybe less developed or less stable parts of the world yeah there was an interesting article i read um that was actually a couple of years old it actually predated the um uh the most recent protests and everything um that was talking about how protest isn't civil um and you know we're sort of debating whether or not people should be allowed to rally for change right and um this author uh van r newkirk um, the second uh was talking about the historical excuse me the historical uh expression of how people need to be civil in in fighting for change and argues that that is rooted in preserving status quo rather than addressing the actual harm um the um the quote that stood out for me is that in the long tradition of american protest it's incivility that has served as an alternative to violent resistance and is what functions best as an antidote to the violence of oppressors he's arguing there effectively that Yes, this kind of behavior, you know, getting in the streets or, you know, telling politicians you disagree with it, they're not welcome to eat at your restaurant or, um, you know, tearing down the statue is Mm. actually an alternative to a more aggressive resistance, like actual violence. And in, in through that lens, it is a preferable, more just expression of that. Um, frustration than pure rioting and and violence right it seems i don't disagree with that but it it does kind of seem like it could be that that it's like people making excuses for this and when it fits their agenda then protesting and what have you is acceptable acceptable but if you can imagine what, what what's it like what what would be like another example of of where um conservatives would be protesting and if it turned violent in any way even if it was mostly peaceful you can imagine that that um the narrative would be that that these guys are these guys are um, way out of line well, I mean, you can look at the the COVID lockdowns, right? That was seeing conservatives protesting, right? They were getting out and marching up and down the steps with their rifles to make the point that they um, refused to be told to wear masks or to stay indoors. Hmm. Um, yeah, that... but people on people 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 on the, on the left did have a go at those people. Yeah, I'm not disagreeing know? with you. I think I think you're right. They were targeted and and called that at the same time. But there there is a um, I think there is a difference in the scale of what is being asked for as well, right? The mm. the scale of the the conservative fight in that, you know, we're, we're comparing effectively apples and oranges here, but like mm. as just the one example that came to mind, the conservative movement there is asking for a less transformational change than the 
um, progressive Black Lives Matter movement has been asking for, right? So the, yeah. the stakes are higher for the left than they are for the right. Right, okay. Yeah, I agree with that. The other, um, the other thing, just to give my dad further credit for his um, arguments, was his... His point was, so I had sort of said as well, like, okay, so if if you're wanting to do this the right way, but the system's rigged against you, um, you know, you can understand why people would turn up in the streets and, and advocate for change, right? And his response was, well, you know, then get out and vote, um, which I think is a valid consideration as well. But um, again, if the system is rigged against you and the people in power are removing polling stations or um you know changing the voter id laws or gerrymandering your districts and all this kind of thing again we're looking at institutional problems and saying simply oh we'll get out and express your democratic right and vote um is again a a somewhat naive way i think of um, understanding the ongoing problems that um you know these minorities have been fighting for why is it naive? Because to suggest that all they have to merely do is get out and vote overlooks the very problem itself, which is that, like I said, voter ID laws, gerrymandering, um, removal of polling places in um, politically motivated ways makes their ability to vote so much um, uh, more limited and their ability to right. unseat the people in power um so much more difficult um so it is not yeah, as, it's not simply applicable to say just like oh we'll go out and put someone in power who will do the right thing yeah they're not necessarily connected like the racism and and who's in power although trump has arguably polarized america <clears throat> a lot more and it'd be interesting to see if biden gets in would america remain as polarized as, as it is yeah, I'm not sure if they can put the genie back in that in that yeah. lamp. Yeah, um, I I because can't imagine I mean, if the Republicans Trump side, lose this. Yeah, if Republicans lose this vote, you can imagine them being even more pissed off. I mean, they're in power now and they're polarized, but but they are yeah. they are demographically the minority though. If if they are if the Democrats swept in with enough power to get control of the Senate and of the House of Representatives, and then enact reforms which fixed some of those big systemic, you know, voter oppression rules or mandated, mm. you know, legal um, right to vote for everyone or made it a federal holiday or, you know, uh, removed gerrymandering and all these kind of things, then it would bring the conservative movement in, in America back down to a more um, statistically fair basis which is that they are actually the minority in that country based right. on the popularity yeah. of of beliefs and and that sort of thing which doesn't it's mean they have, sh- yeah, it's weird. doesn't mean they shouldn't have the... get to have a say they just cut the country in half have the top <laughs> half and have the bottom half and and uh and be done with it yeah i mean i don't know if that's a viable option but we can no it is you can submit it, it into biden I'll send him a. I'll slide into his DMs. <laughs> I mean, the problem with, as well is that the um, the reality is that it's not just top and bottom. It is 
actually much more metropolitan versus rural and that's a very interesting problem um and one that we shouldn't don't really have the time to go into but with that's the kind way of the same here though you, don't you feel absolutely like in yeah. rural parts of any country they're a little bit yeah. why is that because when you're in a metropolitan environment and around a whole bunch of different people you're more likely to encounter people from different backgrounds people of different ages people different lifestyles and different things and very quickly that normalizes for you in a way where you're like oh gay people aren't evil they're just as annoying as everyone else you know yeah. when you're part of a community and a bigger part of a community i think that breeds more tolerance than being literally in a bubble i suppose out in a rural area with very little diversity yeah, yeah i guess yeah that's totally right um, good answer nick thank you yeah um don't look it up but that is the correct answer i got one thing here can i hit you with this yeah um so i came across this which is a quote from um 1984 now 1984 is a funny one because people like to people like to put out 1984 quotes um in certain times when it as if it like if there's anything, and maybe not just nineteen eighty four, but if there's any part of any book that seems in any way prophetic, it's like, oh shit, we got told and we didn't listen. Yeah, but on this it. one was eerily kind of. Let me let me read out this quick quote from nineteen eighty four. Every record has been destroyed or falsified. Every book rewritten. Every picture has been repainted. Every statue and street building has been renamed. Every date has been altered. And the process is continuing day by day and minute by minute. History has stopped. Nothing else exists. Uh, nothing. Nothing exists except an endless present in which the party is always right. That does seem fitting in a way. I mean, in terms of um, not just not just like the taking down of statues, but having this party line that you that is kind of sacrosanct and if you question it um that you're kind of uh you're kind of vilified for it yes are, are you suggesting that we are on the path to that world no well it I, it just it just uh it struck a chord for me just because the 1984 whenever whenever anyone brings it up about you know big brother or you know this um group think or thought crime or whatever they always refer to that happening from the state right whereas now it's kind of seems like it's kind of happening from the people but doesn't that by definition mean that there will not just be a monolithic ability to erase history if if it's not the state that is instituting that then surely there'll always be a opposing force to counterbalance any kind of um inclination right it's only mm. the state that really has the power to properly create a 1984 style you know uh fascistic kind of state right that you can't you can't grow that kind of um rewriting history from the ground up <clears throat> well I kind of think you can, uh, and just not in a not in a clear cut way. 
But if yeah, it's not clear um, cut, then that isn't what you're describing, is it? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I, I there, know, I there's that was something. I, I think Orwell was is talking in, um, was depicting an extreme, right, for a hypothetical purpose, a narrative purpose. Is he was he was showing the worst possible in, example of this happening as a cautionary tale, right? So I think there's something to be taken from that. You know, the idea that you don't want to. Uh, um, I, but I, I, I almost don't know if that's about the idea of history itself, because in in that novel it is it is for political gain that the state is rewriting history. Right, they are changing their mind for their own to ensure their own security at the top of the um, the power hierarchy. I don't know that it that the idea that they're rewriting history is actually about the content of the history right maybe that's a, maybe that's a very a narrow distinction but the purpose of of the what's the is it politburo or something like that i forget what the um the the body in the um the book was actually called that was in charge of of that sort of stuff but they're using that as a tool to suppress the people and ensure that their political goals were um, achieved. I think in a way that's kind of different to our current situation, right? Where what's actually being done is a an, a ground-up re-examination of effectively what has been told, right? It is It is mm. the people looking at the history book and saying that's that doesn't accord with our current standards i mean do you see where i'm coming at there like i i think yeah, that yeah slightly no, different. it makes a lot of sense yeah um yeah no that that does make a lot of sense and i think it is taken out of people like to take all well especially out of context and use it for whatever but um i think that's i mean that specifically is something that is being circulated around um right wing uh, you know kind of personalities at the by by right wing personalities like Ben Shapiro and stuff Ugh, so that's that's kind of where they're coming from the, um... I think and it's it's easy to get sucked into that but uh, even just hearing you kind of um explain that a little bit now I'm like ah oh, yeah no you completely knocked me off that horse already the uh, the my argument as well about the whole tearing down of statues was all that all that current day society is doing t- take for a moment the methodology out of it right take take the idea of pulling it down and throwing it into a river versus doing it legally all that modern day society is doing is looking around at the street the world that they inherited from previous generations taking their current morality and cultural understanding listening to the voices that we are now listening to and applying that to the aesthetic of the city, the world around us, and saying, based on our current world, this statue doesn't accord with what we stand for as a society, so we're taking it yep. down. The yeah, that's what your mate said in the um in the age kind of yeah the chaser guy the chaser guy that um Chaz Lichardello did a a piece about it the um about actually comedy censorship more than statues but um in the same way 
historically, a hundred years ago, that era, that community with its morals, with its understanding of history, with the voices that they were listening to at the time, you know, which probably was the exclusion of, of relevant people looked around at the street and said, we're going to put up a statue because that represents who we are as a society and what we value. And this guy's cool. Right. And I Mm. think if you say that they were able to look around and, and apply their morals and, and interests to the world and make a physical impression on it for future generations, then so too must you allow our generation to look around and make those changes too. Otherwise, only in the past were people able to um, be proactive and shape the world in their present. And you're allowing them more rights to do so than you're allowing the current generation to do what they will with the world they inherited. Yeah, totally. It's like, it's not your house anymore. Like, <laughs> yeah, you moved out, you know, it's, um, uh, and the other thing that's kind of uh, interesting that it just occurred to me is that like, it might be an argument against people who are, um, really fighting for these statues to remain up is that or conservatives, I guess, is that, I mean, it's kind of similar to how they worship, you know, Mao Zedong, Mao Zedong in China and stuff, you know, having having these uh, big photos or statues of these people um, that did horrific things. Like, do you really want to be kind of doing the same thing that they're doing in, in that they're kind of worshipping people who have done bad things? I, know, I get it's not the same, and at least they're probably acknowledging that uh, confederate uh, whatever, whatever they're called, captains. <laughs> yeah, Confederate, Confederate people are at least they're acknowledging it, but it's kind of similar to how like they do it in China, kind of. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think there are other um, historical comparisons you can draw f- again for not being quite the same. You know, like destruction by ISIS of like historical Syrian like landmarks, right? You know, thousands of years old, you know, precious human, like proto-human style civilizational relics. That's different to a 100-year-old statue of of like recent history, you know? Even I think, you know, it's instructive to look at something like Rio Tinto blowing up 46,000-year-old like Aboriginal caves with irreplaceable you know, historical value. Um, and that seems to go mm. by fairly uncommented from, uh, you know, the conservative yeah. side of things, where if you want to really talk about the destruction of history, about the the uh, cultural worth, then there needs to be much more attention paid to the, um, you know, the actions of corporations and things, which yeah. um, tend to go by under the radar, um, as they just ransack <laughs> literally the the earliest evidence of human civilization. Um, that's a, that's another interesting thing, though, actually, because the it's the length of time. Because if you go to if you if you go to Mongolia, they've got statues of Genghis Khan. Yeah, but it's like it's not in it's not in the recent history. It's not in the memory of the DNA of the people still living. Yeah. So it's kind of like it's so. They're so detached from a guy like Genghis Khan that it's almost like, 
you know now now you kind of like now now it's like a a, a symbol of of the past yeah rather than who we are today yeah plus like half of asia is related to genghis khan now so it's kind of like a family thing anyway <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're all related. Um, the uh, like, my mum made a similar point. She's like, "Oh, are you gonna try and um, knock over the Colosseum because they were like killing slaves in like lion fights? Are you gonna go to Athens and knock over the um, Parthenon because it was like they were slave traders and all this kind of thing?" Mm. And I think, I think you just said it right then that there's a there's a distance between the people affected. Right, two thousand years ago mm. is is long enough into history where that object becomes its own item of value distinct from the people because it is evidence of different society. There's nothing currently that stops people from learning about, you know, Christopher Columbus um, in any way, shape or form, yet the connections or, you know, perhaps Churchill was another good example. You know, Mm. the, the, the people actively impacted by that, um, person's behavior are still very much living and very much feeling the cultural economic con- um, consequences of that person's behavior right yeah yeah we can save the statues and we can put them up again in a thousand years that'll be fine i so mean maybe we'll just put them aside put them in a time whatever that's called a time lock what is that called time, <laughs> time capsule <laughs> And then a thousand years, bring them up, study them, and we'll erect them. It's fine. I mean, I think there's actually a very, that's a very good and interesting argument, right? Let's take all the bad statues, right? The the statues that people think deserves to still be up, you know, get them out of the river, grab them all, build a fucking museum wing, right? Build an entire Mm. museum wing and put all of the questionable statues from that city or town or country and put them there. And you know what? More people will learn from that by it being a complete quote-unquote exhibit, a complete aggregate of the um, historical veneration of problematic figures en masse with appropriate placarding and stuff by having that in the one place than they would from any Mm. individual representation that you walk past on the street completely by itself. Totally. And yeah, you've you've been to Hiroshima. Like you've, they've got a whole thing dedicated to it there, and that's still very much in the in the living memory of everyone I, still around in, in Japan. At the I moment. would love to be um, uh, to go to Hiroshima, but I haven't been to Hiroshima. I've been to the um, to oh, a, 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 a museum uh, dedicated to it, but that was just in Osaka. That wasn't in. But I guess what's the what what is what is the difference there? I mean, when when the Japanese. Uh, in that case, kind of taking, I guess it's kind of like they they are owning it and accepting it, rather than also they were the victims. That's not even close to being. Well, I mean, I, I went to the international. It was like a international peace museum or something, and their actual um, mandate or goal was to depict what happened in such mm. a way to advocate for the complete uh, removal of all atomic weaponry internationally. Right, like they were. Their goal mm. was like. If you saw what this did, if you see the aftermath of this kind of war, then you will not want this to happen. Um, and so we maintain and uphold um, the history of that thing in quite horrifying detail so as to make the case, you know, it should never happen again. Mm. The other interesting um, uh, suggestion as to what do we do with these statues, if you 
if you don't like my first one of put them all in a museum together. Um, Banksy put up a suggestion. I don't know if you saw this. He suggested that you grab oh. grab the statue and you mount it back where it was, half toppled, and then you add three more cast iron people and a rope connecting it so that the statue is now a statue of the statue coming down. You 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 put in the <laughs> protesters pulling it midway down through the thing, and that in itself suddenly adds so much more meaning and interesting um, consideration to it, don't you think? We should make Banksy in charge of everything. That's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. That That's is brilliant. Cool. Um, the other thing I just want to touch on connected to this is the... Um, so we talked about the statues, but the other thing that's happening with the whole Black Lives Matter thing is you've got, um, you know, people are pulling up blackface that of comedians or yeah. actors doing blackface in the past. Um, I saw that Nestle today have announced that they're discontinuing or rebranding Chico's. Oh, really? I didn't hear <laughs> I that. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just before we came on air. Uh, and then, like we said, the Netflix thing. So Netflix is scrubbing you know, um, Chris Lilly's stuff that we've done blackface. So where where do, where do you stand on that? Is that the same as as um, as moving on as a, as a society? And like you said, uh, as as not having things that we actually don't deem appropriate for the age that we live in, or is that something else? Or is that just uh, is that just corporations wanting to? Be in be in the clear, yeah, or escape controversy. Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting, right? And I, it's going to be a little bit unfortunate because I think my answer is going to parrot a lot of what I read Chaz Lichardello's statement on this today, because I think he mm-hmm. says it really concisely. I'll put that in the chapter links if you're listening on the podcast player. Just click through the links and you can have a look at it. Um, but the idea mm. that he put forward is that tastes evolve and change and uh that is a natural process that all networks and all um television stations and and content creators go through um and yes it was probably not okay that chris Lilly was in blackface 15 years ago but it happened um but now Mm. all of all that these networks are really doing is responding to their demands as in the tastes of the audience that they are currently providing for. And that is their job. They do it every fucking year. They cancel, um, you know, uh, I don't know. They cancel American Idol and then they go into MasterChef for a while or they uh, give a couple of shows to uh, Tina Fey and then, you know, Donald Glover comes up and, and, those are not the same things obviously but you hear what i'm saying like the art the expression of art is ever evolving increasingly fickle and it's disposable in a way that it reflects a culture and a time if you ever go back and you watch friends now you know it was the most popular show in the world but by today's standards it's a little bit tired it's definitely very homophobic Mm. um and it's super white um and it's still very popular to this day, but every network that is out there is not trying to make friends because the tastes of the audience are different these days. So in the long-winded ramble, which is my style, um, answer to your question, I think that when 
you know, they're getting rid of this Chris Lilly stuff. It doesn't mean that you can't find the DVD of it. It doesn't mean that you can't, you know, watch Gone with the Wind on iTunes or anywhere else that you want to. It just means that that network doesn't see on, you know, a balance sheet, a net worth from having that potentially controversial asset there um, and paying money for that when (laughs) it could invite um, a whole heap of questions that they don't want to have to deal with. Yeah. I mean, this one, this one I'm a little bit on the fence with um, just because, I mean, they did, they canceled or someone got rid of Gone with the Wind, which was, HBO, which was HBO Max took yeah. it off the network um, for a little while, and we'll, it will return with a um, uh, like a placard at the top, which says this film contains you know historical racism or whatever, and then it'll just play out as yeah. it did. All right, yeah. I mean, it's it's tri- it's trickier with art because I think I said at the top of the pod that um, that. History, uh, history is, we're reminded of history best, I think, through art. And so, as opposed to erecting statues in honor of people who did horrible things, I think art is a snapshot in time. And with Gone with the Wind, I mean, that black actress, it was a terrible, it's a terrible stereotypical depiction of black women. But she, she also won, it was like the first woman, black woman to win an Oscar for that. So there's that, I think, I think, and it's easier to associate film or art or books with a point in time. Um, so I have a bit more of a problem with um, scratching the scratching the art from our history, if that's what we're doing. And also with the Chris Lilly stuff. Um, I get Megan Kelly here, but... Uh, <laughs> I mean, Jimmy Fallon got Jimmy got Jimmy Fallon got done for doing a well. He got uh, called out for doing a Chris Rock impression twelve years ago, and I think what I think there is a, it's not acceptable, right? But there is a there is a stark difference between the kind of blackface they were doing in the nineteen thirties and Jimmy Fallon, who like if we break this down for what it really is, is anyone thinking Jimmy Fallon's actually a racist guy? No. Jimmy Fallon is a comedian and he's a great impressionist and he was doing an impression of Chris Rock who happens to have darker skin than he does. So, I mean, it's insensitive. I wouldn't, I wouldn't encourage anyone to do that, but if we're, and obviously I'm not a, I'm not a black guy and it's not my place to say, I guess any of this, but you know, if you break it down, it's like, it's not. And Chris Lilly's the same. Like these guys, uh, yeah, maybe it's insensitive for the time, but they're not doing anything like harm like well then maybe they are doing something harmful i'm tripping over my words because i'm scared um they're not their intent is not anything malicious it's just to replicate a, a type of character and it's weird that you can have a movie like white chicks and that's going to be totally okay where that's completely you know the, the movie's called white chicks and it's two black guys in white face um, and I, I get that oh, I should shut up now. I should know. No, you're, you're, you're making points. <laughs> I mean, I get, I, I, I think... get that white people don't have a history of persecution and they don't have a history of, <laughs> we don't have a history of being persecuted, 
persecuted by black people and dressing up in the fucking 1900s. And, uh, you know, and also black people weren't allowed to act at that time. So it's like a whole thing. But there is a difference between Jimmy Fallon and whatever they called. There was like some like word for the shows that and, and like original, like classic 1900s racism. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think that in the same way that we judge the actions of sexual predators like Louis C.K. and um, Matt Lauer versus Crystalia now. Weinstein, (laughs) Crystalia, by the way. (sighs) Um, Oh boy! The uh, there is that's a a proper me too, by the way. That is a proper me too. Yeah. The um, (laughs) in the same way that there are shades and and levels of things, you need to also accept that there are probably shades of. Of oh my god, what a sentence! But here we go. There's shades of blackface. Um, <laughs> the um, I think you are right that there that the attention that um, that Jimmy Fallon had in doing um, blackface was impressionistic, right? As you say, he was mimicking a person that people knew, and they put makeup on him. That was wrong. It was probably pretty hurtful to some viewers as well. Probably not Chris Rock, but I don't want to speak for him. Um, the I think actually there is a distinction between him and Chris Lilly because I think Chris Lilly's is more problematic than Jimmy Fallon because Chris Lilly was using blackface to do fictional characters. He wasn't doing an impression of someone that was recognisable. He wasn't right. standing in the shoes of someone in a way that the audience was trying to recognise who the person he was doing, right? right. Chris Lilly was well, little, just... Little, Chris, little Britain did the same thing. I know, they? and, and they yeah. have also... Um, come out and talked about that and apologize for it and to be mm. fair to the have been doing so for like i think about seven years now um but mm. but they had the um the opposite to uh chris rock weirdly when chris rock was like i've apologized and i talked about it in the past and i'm never going to apologize for my homophobia again the little Brit Sorry, chris rock chris rock you know in the oscars controversy um, when he Kevin Hart, I'm so sorry. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Chris Rock was in my head. If you don't leave Fuck. that in, I'm gonna be pissed. Fuck. Okay. <laughs> but, yeah, I'll have to leave that in. But Jesus Christ, that's terrible. <laughs> Kevin Hart. <laughs> Fuck me. There's no anyway. point even trying to make this a point anymore. Um, <laughs> I want to hear. Wanna okay. Hear. Kevin Hart said, I'm not going to apologize for my homophobia. Um, and yeah, I did it in the past and never going to do it again. The Little Britain guys apologized for it in the past. They apologized for it again when it came up and they said, we'll continue to apologize for it in the future, which I thought was a really nice um, reflection on, on what they felt their um, duty was to those offended. Going back to Chris yeah. Lilly, I think, again, there, there's a distinction between Chris Lilly and Jimmy Fallon um, because, as as I said, Chris Lilly was creating characters that didn't exist. They weren't impressions of people that were out there. They were just him deciding he wanted to be, you know, a Tongan person or a, a rapper, you know, an American rapper. And yeah. that, I think, is, is it considered Is that considered blackface? Is that considered blackface? In- I, would, I think so, yeah. Uh, I mean, they don't seem black to me. They don't seem black. 
Well, I mean, I suppose that's the thing, right? They were clearly sensitive enough about it that they were trying to be more natural. It wasn't like a fucking right. 1940s smear of black paint on the face, was it? It was they were trying to do like actual skin, like almost like a spray tan type thing, which is almost more problematic when you're like, we should try and get this pretty close to real. Otherwise, people will think it's an issue. At that point, you probably yeah. need to step back and go, mm. if we're trying to yeah. find the, the line to walk here, then maybe there isn't a line. <laughs> maybe this should just no. be a no. What about these bodybuilders that uh, they 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 they, would, they they come out darker than Chris Lilly ever did? Yeah, but, but they're that, not going not for anything. To be, but what about uh, what about Robert Downey Jr.? Who that's an well, interesting that, one. I was just thinking played, about that one. Yeah. He played an actor playing yeah. a guy, an actor who's playing blackface. So yeah. it's like your knee jerk reaction is like, oh, but then if you actually break it down, he's he's playing a guy in black. Playing a guy, playing a guy in blackface. Yeah, know? as he says in the. So, in the I wonder movie. if he's nervous right now. I, um, possibly. He's I mean, I, I think safe. no one wants to go after Robert Downey Jr. He's had it hard enough. I think the. Um, I think there is a a question of artistic purpose, right? It was interesting because I saw today that a couple of Thirty Rock episodes were taken down, including the two live episodes. This was at the request of Tina Fey and Robert Carlock. Um, the the. Mm live episodes where John Hamm did blackface in what was a... Oh, did he? Yeah, in what was a deliberate satirical flashback to like a 60s oh. era cartoon, right? Oh, and they've made... Right now. John Hamm blackface. Yeah. 30 Rock. Um, and the... <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, go can, on. Can you see... You can see why there might yeah. be a problem? I mean, they didn't go full blackface, though. Yeah, he's like a white guy with an afro. Yeah, which is worse. The um, the idea for some is, reason I don't know why was clearly intended satirically. Like all of those people are smart enough to know that yes. what what they're playing with, right? The um, the artistic goal was not to suggest that this was appropriate. In fact, it was the opposite. It was to it was to suggest how wrong right. this was, right? So I do think there has to be, as you yeah. say, some consideration of the artistic intent behind it, much as you consider the intent sure. of a, you know, a, a a joke about abortion or about, you know, I don't know, gay people or whatever. It, you have to give some consideration to that. But at the but same time... But do you think time, that the cancel culture at the moment, society actually can has the ability to take that into consideration? I think so. Do you think they have the ability to process that and say, okay, this is a blackface, but it's doing it's with artistic intent, and this is a blackface just because they're lazy and hack? I think so. I think I think actually there is there is enough um, seriousness with which this issue is being treated that allows for that kind of consideration. I don't know necessarily right. whether or not they had. I mean. In me looking up that it, um, image of John Hamm just then, the article that came out was from 2012, which was John Hamm Dunn's blackface on 30 Rock, the reactions. Um, and so clearly even back then it was getting some... Um, Bit of heat. Some attention. Uh, but even then, yeah, I think there were some arguings basically saying that blackface... The idea that blackface is okay only if we're meta with, about it is 
not satisfactory to you know actual members of that community. I think I think it uh, the the argument is that it's um, too problematic to to even be worth doing satirically, at least in a comedy sense. Maybe if you were doing it in a dramatic sense, if it was like a, a historical movie, like a classic, like the Academy always loves to give Oscars to, like it's set in the 1920s about like an early Hollywood director or something like that. Maybe when it has that kind of yeah. know, seriousness with which it was treated, then you can get, you can do it. And trying to do it for jokes is, is taboo still. Yeah. I think ultimately whether or not you agree with the removal of, you know, these kind of problematic shows or art or whatever, um, whether you think that the removal of statues is, um, appropriate or rash or uncivil or totally justified i think surely we can agree it's a good thing that society is reckoning with its history right either way either way you fall the idea that people are paying attention to what happened and to what where we are sitting as a as a culture and as a community and a society that's that's got to be good right yeah it's uh it's it's a lot easier to accept if you zoom out and try and understand where we are in the context of history rather than focusing just on where we are right now. If you think about people in the 1960s, I would have I would have been up in arms about you know whatever whatever thing that they were up in arms about that now we look back and think how how could they ever how could they ever think that smoking was good. Yeah. Um so it's 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 way easier if you if you just zoom out and just try and look at what we what is happening in the world. I mean, one thing that happens with society, I think, is you get to a point of breaking and there's an overcorrection that happens. So I think like the move like the Me Too movement, for example, is in some ways an overcorrection and then it and then it comes back. And I think it acts like a kind of pendulum like that a little bit. So maybe we're maybe we're in a time right now where maybe some things feel a little bit too far, but eventually I think that society will even itself out, and you'll you'll the overcorrection will will come back to a kind of like a, a default position. And you got to have faith that it will do that because it's the only way that it will actually work. Because people need to. People will still live their lives. People still people won't put up with a whole bunch of shit for too long. So if you're worried about that, oh, I'm just rambling now. But if you're worried about that, have faith that society will swing back. Yeah. If if I mean, too many people are too invested in their lives and in their world for um for one thing to go on forever, right? If I can use your analogy and expand on it rather than like a pendulum, I think it's kind of more like a um, a crane with a um, uh, wrecking ball at the end, like trying to bash through yeah. a building. And it like, it hits the wall and then, you know, uh, society changes. And then very slowly the tensions build up or the irritations or the frustrations and the ball gets wound back and back and back and back and back. And then eventually yeah. it hits a yeah. point where it can't sustain itself anymore and the ball drops and swings into the wall again and f- 
changes everything again. And there's a new status quo and things and the dust settles and then, you know, the tensions build again and it swings back and back and back. You know, I think you're totally right. There's a TikTok to it, but it's like, it's because society is active and evolving. It's because people are making choices and, and speaking up. It's a society is a muscle that's tearing and that it will, it will, it needs to tear in order to grow. Yeah. Wow. Fuck. That was good. Vote for your favorite analogy guys. Yeah. Comments. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Or just jump onto our Facebook page. Um, There's, such a nice bunch of people over there that they follow along with some of the stories that we put up and the chat along about our episodes, facebook.com forward slash deep fort. There's a twitter.com as well, where you can get notified if a new episode comes up. You can find the entire archive of our previous 140 episodes, 140 today, Michael. Um, oh, on cool. yeah. One, today's the one four Um, deepfort.podbean.com if you're on the web or just scroll down your podcast player look for them all there they're all there i promise um instagram look for deep fort um there's a wonderful uh selection of recommendations um there's some chip advice um and there is no evidence that michael has ever gone to the gym um there's a email address deepfort at gmail.com where you can send your questions and comments and um chip in and we'll um be delighted to uh hear from you and read you out on the show give you a shout out if you like uh and that's the end of that podcast chapter didn't know we had a twitter to be honest you say that every time i've just gotten back onto twitter i know know why because of this because of this crystal ear shit Uh i just want to hear about um I just want to hear about people's takes. I want to hear like these comedians' takes on it because they're all friends with each other. Yeah, and I'm just live. I'm just. I'm just refreshing Twitter all the time just so I can hear their takes. You liked. Um, I sent a message to you, uh, saying, "Hey, Michael, test. Are you on this Twitter thing?" You responded <laughs> to me this week saying, "Yep." Four years after I sent the tweet, which I respect. That's a True. long hustle. Well done. <laughs> Yeah, I am, baby. Um, I never left. Alrighty, you have a weird news for me. Should we do it? <clears throat> yeah, cracker of a weird news as well. I can't remember if we... Do we set up the, the theme tune for it? No, it just kind of plays, right? Yeah, just who cares. Just say, just say, just say it. Just say the words. Just say it. I love Let's... you, okay? I love you. I love you. In the news today from the strange and weird fact file. Well, for decades, only crackpots and crazy people believed in UFOs. Deputies did say the suspect told them he's been performing sex acts on animals since the 1970s. I told about my close encounter with the Yeti. A sticky situation at an airport in Tennessee after baggage Turns out, the government has been taken seriously all along. This is Deep Thought Weird News with Michael Is that is that what you wanted? (laughs) (laughs) Ah, all right. In the weird news today, in no, let me do that again. Do you want me to leave that part in? Uh, I guess, fuck it. I'm not doing it again. Just leave that in. (laughs) (laughs) All right. This is a recent weird news, which is weird for weird news. Uh, I guess most of the weird news has been in the past. All right. Headline. 
A six-year-old alcoholic monkey in India will serve a life sentence. Ooh, I like where this is going. Yes, you do. So this is from June motherfucking 16th, and we're recording on June motherfucking 23rd. So this is like a week week. old. It's basically a newborn. All right, so here we go. A monkey in India was a pet of a local... Local occultist. Do you know what an occultist is? Do you know what an occultist is? Okay, don't try and flip the tables. I'm, just, I'm trying to <laughs> you were saying smart it, by the... By, you were saying so yeah. smugly in a way that was it's like completely a guy transparent. A guy who's into the dark Or arts, girl. You know? Or girl, but it was a guy. Yeah, but I'm an sure. occultist. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> yeah, okay. You're ruining weirdness. I'm right. ruining weirdness. You're the only one who can't even fucking Weird. talk. I've had a bottle of wine. All right. So the monkey's name, by the way, was Kalula. Also, you asked me what an occultist is. You jumped in. Uh, You were the one who was like, oh, do you know what an occultist is? You're just fucking throwing mud at me for something you instituted. (laughs) All right. I'm fine. All right. Kalua was the name of the monkey. Did you get that? Okay. Kalua. Ironic. Ironic. Was a was the pet monkey of a local occultist who would regularly give him liquor to drink. Over a period of time, the monkey became alcoholic, and when the occultist died, Kalua stopped getting liquor and started and became aggressive. Mm-hmm. Right here, we get to the news. Kalua went on a biting spree in Mirzapur in uh, India and bit several children. Oof. One of which died. Oh, God. And they think it's because he... Because the monkey became so addicted to alcohol that when he didn't have it anymore, became so irritable and needed to get it and became aggressive and started biting kids left, right, and center. Bit three kids, apparently. And one of these kids died. And so now, um, Kalua re- will remain in captivity for the rest of his life. For his drinking. So, captivity? The monkey is six years old, jail? by the way. Like, are they, no, are they putting in, it in a zoo? No, he's in... Are they putting no, it in, like, put, a prison population? They're putting it in prison. So, why? Here's my question. If you've got a they're rabid obviously monkey, not putting it in prison. They're not obviously putting it in prison. Uh, well, with, no, like... No, no, Just other rapists and murderers. <laughs> I did. I know that. I, but if you're talking about they'll be in captivity, that's serious, right? Yeah. Yeah. If you've had you a, a murder monkey, then yeah. why keep it alive? Like at that point, what are you trying to do? You're trying to wean it off alcohol more gently. Do you think it could be rehabilitated? Well, why is this? Well, monkey you try. You get surviving? it into a program, and well, you. But, I mean, are look, they hoping everyone, to get community everyone, service. Look, everyone makes mistakes. Uh-huh. To be honest, it's still a so, child itself. It is. Yeah. But in monkey... What's it, what, what is it in monkey years, though? I, I think monkey years monkey and now. human years are pretty similar. I mean, you I reckon? just saw a gibbon this week that was 50 years old. What? Why, why did you see a gibbon? Oh, you went to like a, a zoo or something, didn't you? <laughs> I went to the zoo. Yeah, I went to Willowbrook. I got chased by birds. Uh, I'm... I'm googling our monkey years. 
the set. Yeah, it already came up as a predicted. I love it when Google does that. When you type in a stupid question and then Google's like, uh, you're, <laughs> you're like halfway through and Google's like, do you before. mean this? And you're like, yes, I thought I was the only one. <laughs> All right. Um, all right. Uh, four to, they live to four, between four and 29. What do? So. Four and monkeys. 29. So, yeah. A 29 apparently is 105 in human years. Oh. So this monkey, what's your math? This monkey's still, you know, uh, 18. 30s. I suppose it's, uh, no, 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 18. If you think of it as like a third, right? Yeah, yeah. it's probably, it's uh, like, okay. it's probably an adult now, to be honest. 30s. Yeah, it's in its, it's our age, dude. It's our, this monkey is our age, which is why I brought it it's, up. This could happen to us. It's not. You know, and it did actually. Yeah. The um, anyway. I I just don't get of all the, you know, there's a lot of capital punishment meted out to bad animals around the world. I just don't get why this one that killed a child, and by the way, that's got to be a rough conversation to have. You know, a few years time, when um, someone sidles up to you and says, "Oh, I'm so sorry um, to hear about your daughter's um, passing. How how did she go?" It's a bit wild that you have to say a monkey called Kalua mauled her to death. Like that's not something yeah. that you can really. No, and what? And that's what, not what, one what that if, gets easier yeah, with what, time. No. <laughs> and what are they? What are they hoping for? I mean, this monkey's serving a life sentence now, but it, with good behavior, what is he going to be back out in the streets? You know, <laughs> you know, in twenty years' time, doing uh, tricks with. With the cobras or something? I don't know. <laughs> Cobra uh, But they um they said they said that this monkey is so antisocial right now that he's not even befriending his uh, keeper who's the one that's giving him food. So he's so he's so messed up in the head. This exactly. occultist. I don't know. becomes with a I don't know what they what's the point here. This is this is an absurd ruling. I I think the um the family so you, of the deceased should appeal. You, you want to kill the monkey. I just think like what are they, the what's monkey, why yeah. what's the point here? Yes it was abused and yes it was you know created drunk you know yeah. alcoholic tendencies. But like it killed a human child. <laughs> yeah. And that's yeah, that's just uh, that's just one of the people that it killed. It, it says a no, bit it over two hundred fifty attacked... people. What? It bit two hundred and fifty people. One <laughs> one died. Oh my god! And it, it, was... bit, it bit. <laughs> it bit like it bit a medium sized theater worth of yeah. people. Jeez. It bit one that's session of the, the Matrix that, yeah. and killed someone. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, I don't that's... get how they're like. You know what? We can change him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What's What's the best case scenario here? Yeah. The monkey clearly wants to die as well. Yeah. Euthanasia. Yeah. And that's the cheery end yep. of this podcast. 